welcome to the Convex Conversation with me, journalist Helen Fospero. A few weeks ago, I went to Bournemouth Airshow with my 12-year-old son and stood on the beach, captivated as the Tigers' freefall army parachute display team gracefully dropped from the skies, trailing coloured smoke, flags flying and performing breathtaking formations. I had no idea at the time that a chance conversation would bring me to Airfield Camp Netherhaven near Stonehenge in Wiltshire, what can only be described as an opportunity of a lifetime. That's right, for today's podcast, I'm honoured to be joining the Tigers for a tandem skydive with one of their most experienced members, team leader Sergeant Frank Millerick from the Princess of Wales Royal Regiment, under the watchful eye of Officer Commanding Captain Ollie Sword Gurney. A few weeks ago, Frank, I stood on Bournemouth Beach and I watched you drop from the skies, looking like, I don't know, James Bond, with your smoke coming out of your heels and flags flying, and I just wanted to have a go at this. Fast forward a few weeks, I'm here. What on earth have I got in store today? Well, essentially, you've got in store today is a jump from you know, about two and a half miles high up in the sky over Wiltshire, over Salisbury Plain at the what we like to call the centre of excellence, the air wing for adventurous training parachuting is held here and also the Army Parachute Association is here as well and they support the Army. And of that, we have three of the four Army Parachute Display teams here and the Tigers Army Parachute Display team of them are, are one of them. Our officer on site, so we're going to take you up to the sky and give you essentially a, a taste of what it's like to be a Tiger for the day. Oh, it'd be awesome working out what it's like to be a Tiger for a day and I feel in really safe hands. You've done more than 2,600 jumps, haven't you, Frank? Yeah, I'm closing I think I'm closing on, or may have closed on 3,000 now, but I log all my jumps up and then I tally it up at the end of the season. People out there have a hell of a lot more jumps than me, but my jumps are all very special because I get to take tandems, like triple amputees. Some of my most favourite ones is taking a lady from the Chelsea Pensioners. She was 86 years old. She was doing it to raise funds for charity and awareness for the Chelsea pensioners. And the funniest thing she said when we landed was oh, I've squashed his willy. Uh, and it went out live on, on national television about a couple of months later, which, and I've got it on my Instagram actually. It's one of my most favorite. And I was taking some tandems and civilian tandems at the other weekend, just you know, in my own time. And the gentleman turned around to me and said, oh, I said, would you like to go fast or slow? And he was like, oh, can we go slow please? I feel closer to my son. And it's so like that, that for me touches me because you are now affecting someone's life. So, and as you can tell, I get quite emotional about that. Like, that guy is getting some account of what you're providing. And where else can you do that? That's absolutely awesome. And you take an amputees as well. That yes, must be yes, an incredible I, experience. I actually had the pleasure of taking a number of amputees. Andy Reid is a triple amputee um, on his second tandem. I won't, I won't say he was, was his first. A lady called Major Kate Phillips, who was out on operations with me in Afghanistan, and she was caught in a, uh, a very large explosion within an armor fighting vehicle warrior. She had an amputation of her a leg. She comes to do the tandem with me here and it's like full circle. It's brilliant because I went to see her in hospital in Bastion there as well as I was coming back off of r and I had the pleasure of taking a, one of the, the lads from my reserve battalions who's uh, unfortunately had, had suffered an explosion in Afghanistan as well. So it is really, really like rewarding on both sides for them and for us as well to be able to do that because you just really do feel like you're giving something back. 
Just describe what's actually in store today, what's going to happen, what we're doing together. So today what we'll do is we'll get a brief about the skydive itself and the kit and equipment and the routine and the jump. And essentially what will happen from then on is we get loaded onto a board and you'll see your name pop up. And about 20 minutes before, we'll get you in kit, so we'll get you in a Tiger's jumpsuit, a pair of goggles. Um, we don't wear any hats anymore, so you don't look like some uh, First World War bomber pilot. And then we'll get our kit fit the harness and we'll go out do our checks and go up in the plane now the planes we use are Cessna 208 some of them are modified engines pretty quick you're looking at about anywhere between a 12 to 15 minute aircraft ride climb to altitudes about 14,000 feet we go to here don't quote me on it but we tell people it's about two and a half miles high it's high anything higher than a distance where you're going to fall and hurt yourself is high but height is our friend in this game. The higher we go, the safer we are. The more time I have to do my operations, my drills that I need to do to make us land safely on the ground. So we will exit the aircraft about 14,000 feet after doing a various number of checks. And then we'll get you pushed past the threshold of the aircraft with a cameraman on the outside holding on for dear life, filming your every move. <laughs> and we've got two jumpers with smoke, haven't we? Yep, so we call them stingers. So they're guys in a team that are working their way up in jump numbers. So they qualified display jumpers and qualified sea licensed parachutists. And they're gonna come down, exit after us, come down on the side as long as it's safe to do so. And hold on to your hand, basically. Really? And make you look cool, yeah. Really, excellent. Making me look cool, that's quite a task, I think. Any top tips for how to get the most out of it? and to conquer any. Keep your eyes open. Look at the cameraman the whole time. Otherwise, he's getting a really high quality shot at the top of your head. All right, breathe out or scream out on the exit and just get that breathing sensation going because what tends to happen is people hold their breath. And if you hold your breath for 45 to 60 seconds, what tends to happen is like you then go on the canopy and you're like, and the adrenaline hits you a little bit harder and you know so it just kind of gets you out of kilter a little bit so don't hold your breath you can breathe on the way down you know and just enjoy it it's like going on a safer version of a fairground ride really do have a good reputation in the uk for this type of thing i firmly believe it's more dangerous going horse riding yeah sort of with you just on that enjoy front. what are your memories frank of your very first skydive on your own <laughs> so i joined the junior staff here in 1999 so there's probably a lot of people out there thinking how knowing exactly how old i am now i was, I was a fresh-faced 19 year old at the time i've actually got the picture somewhere as well it's on my facebook big orange jumpsuit jumping out the aircraft arms all the way up and just thinking oh my god i've just jumped out of a plane and it wasn't till the second jump actually that you kind of realize what you're getting up to because you know what's going to happen but it took about two or three jumps for me to go i like this and i got to about 350 jumps and then had a career break on skydiving for my military career but yeah it's very very addictive when i watched you land on bournemouth beach the one thing i really loved is that you land very gracefully and you're on your feet and you run i'm guessing with my weight strapped to your chest we're not aiming to land like that today <laughs> no so in the uk we have two methods of landing for a tandem it's, it's a seated landing where you kind of slide on your bottom right, or a stand-up landing but they won't be a, like a runoff one generally we'll do the seated landing because it's a little bit safer for the student you might get a grass stain on your bum that's okay i'll just try not to sit on your willy like the Chelsea <laughs> pensioner said that's the plan shall we go and get our harnesses on and yeah we can get out there now get a kitted up and get get ready to go cool let's do it cool sardines I've switched in between your legs with another jumper in between my legs just tell me what are the last checks and last words of advice before we do this 
Okay, so realistically, what we've got to be thinking about now, all right, is just listening to the individual briefs that I give you on the way up, step by step. Worry about the next step only, all right? But you're here to have fun. So when we move towards that door, I'm gonna to say to you, head back, legs back. All right, keep your eyes open, ready, set, go, and we'll be out. Keep them arms in until I tap, tap, tap them out. Bring them out to the free ball position. Look up at the cameraman, big smile, just enjoy the ride. All right, once we open the parachute, we can talk about the rest of it then. Well, there's no point talking about that too early, is there? I mean, no, absolutely well not. How will I feel as I'm sitting on the edge of the plane, about to go? It's quite a quick sensation. From that door opening, from everyone getting out the aircraft, it's about no more than 25 to 30 seconds. So you don't have too much time to think about it. Once you're in the door, you're gonna go, oh my God! But it's gonna happen so quickly that you're not gonna have too much time to think about it. And we are getting that real sense of being a tiger because we've got some We've got some jumpers with smoke, haven't we? That's right, yeah. So we've got some of our trained team members to come up and dock on. We call it stinging. Right? And we've got our trained cameraman to come up and film us as well to hopefully catch it all in high definition. It's a shame it's a podcast, eh? <laughs> well, he's got video, so I'm sure you can add some video to it at some point. I'm just going to sit back and relax now then. Absolutely, it's what I'm here for. It's a joyride for you. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. No worries. At this point, with the aircraft travelling at 90 miles an hour, the door opened. We sat briefly in the doorway, did our final checks and tipped out of the aircraft into the blue skies with little or no time to think about what was going to happen and certainly no way back. I remember my stomach lurching momentarily as our bodies found their horizontal position and I got my first view of the ground below, cold wind rushing past my head. We were two and a half miles up free-falling at around 125 miles per hour, an exhilarating and crazy feeling. It was a real sensory overload, but awesome. Two tigers known as stingers joined us, orange smoke trailing from their ankles, and we joined up mid-air. Frank opened the canopy at about 6,000 feet, and we spent the tranquil part of the free-fall doing some tricks and checking out the stunning Salisbury Plains below us, looking out for Stonehenge. We landed really gracefully, dying to go back and do it all again. Frank, now I've jumped from 14,000 feet and landed safely on the ground. Time to sit down, I suppose, and just reflect and, and find out a bit more about you and how you got into this exciting world in the first place. For me, I mean, I joined the army as a young boy. I'd always wanted to join the army from a very young age. I mean, I tried at 15 and got sent away. Went back to the building game for a bit because I'd actually run away from home and all this sort of stuff. At 15 years old, I just, I didn't have a great upbringing. So I work on building site. I'm 16, honest, and then just itching to join the military because I'd done the army cadets. So as soon as I got into it, parachuting wasn't even on my mind at all. Like I just wanted to be a soldier and that's what I did. Joined up, went to basic training, ended up joining the Princess of Wales's Royal Regiment, which I'm very proud of. And then eventually they so managed to said, anyone want to go parachute team? <laughs> and I, so I had a friend of mine that had just come back from it. And so I just put my hand up and a couple of years later, I ended up getting selected to go to it and that's how it all started for me and were you hooked from the beginning not in the first couple of jumps i don't think i think it was just still shock and awe but definitely as i started to see that i could do something with this and yeah and then literally you're chasing numbers because i was there to get 200 jumps to come to a display team to then go out and do all these fantastic displays and stuff like that so yeah it was like i could get them numbers and you're, you're focused on that and, and then you enjoy, start enjoying it along the way. 
Then some people do it as a job, but don't necessarily enjoy it 100%, but they'd quickly fall by the wayside. So when you first learned to parachute jump, in the military, excuse my ignorance, Frank, but is that for operational reasons? The operational side of it for the soldiers in the parachute regiment and attached to 5th Airborne, as it was when I was in that brigade and then 16 Air Assault, yes, there is a requirement. If you're not Cat Badge Parachute Regiment, then it's kind of a lottery whether you can get on the course or not. I didn't get on it. I was too new, we shall say, there to the military and I wasn't allowed to attend the course. But for the gentlemen in the parachute regiment and stuff like that, that's their bread and butter. Round parachuting, jumping out, weight on, low altitude to hit the ground hard and fast and, and take the fight to the enemy. And that, that, they're very, very good at it. We were in 5th Airborne and 16 Air, and uh, 16 Air Assault as a Air Assault units, but doing what's something called tactical landing operations. So flying in on Herc's load, land, take an airfield get back on and take off very quickly like, like a smash and grab from that sort of air aspect so there's that side of that sport parachuting is designed in the military to really put someone outside of their comfort zone and you can really tell how it would be very close to combat but without actually being in combat so for example you're putting a leader into a scenario that he potentially doesn't want to do something like jump out of a plane where they're getting the shaky legs and the sweaty lips and all this sort of stuff but they've got to do it because they're leading from the front so there's soldiers behind them their subordinates in the aircraft are looking for them to in for inspiration so therefore they lead from the front and they jump but also it develops new leaders as well so like you'll see the young lad the individual who maybe is not so scared and he'll be coaching and on the more senior guys and stuff like that. So, and I've had the privilege of training hundreds and hundreds of soldiers, probably over a thousand soldiers now of Accelerate Freefall and Static Line. I've done nearly 800 tandems as well. And you do see that all the time, but the best part is just the light bulb moment with the, the guys that are just struggling that little bit and you make that difference and there you go, and a big smile in Freefall. And you can tell then you've done your job and you've achieved it. And that's the, AT, the adventurous training side of the military that the British Army is well known for is to afford this kind of see the world, get to experience everything. And that's what makes us good as the military as well, because without that, how do you know that Joe Bloggs out there is willing to push himself past the threshold and into the unknown? So that's the privilege that I get. You're changing people's lives, really, through the what is a sport as well as obviously your career and Yeah, yeah. It's on a personal level, I get to train the guys from zero to hero. <laughs> We want a better word on the team, but uh, yeah, zero to hero in the team. And you know, from no jumps to absolute ninjas at jumping, even better than me, some of them. You know, and there's, there's a couple of lads that have left the team now. There's one lad here that he, he transferred out of the regiment to the Fusiliers called Will Forbes. And his skill level when he left the team, I was quite glad in a way he left because he was making me look bad sometimes. <laughs> but he, you know, it's just naturally good jumpers and it's absolute privilege to see. I'd, I've had loads of guys like that. We all bring something different to the bag, but it's also really, really nice when you train someone from nothing and then they kind of overtake you in something as well. And you're looking to them for inspiration, you know? So yeah, you do have that sort of satisfaction of changing someone's life or making just a, whether it be a minor or a big difference. It's not lost on me that you're making someone stay just for a tandem. And let's be real with this, let's put it down to a mental health state as well. If someone's got an outlet to go and do something that they very much enjoy, then are we not then affecting people's lives for the better so that they don't end up going down these deep dark holes and sitting in their rooms and doing 
nothing. And I'm not saying that I have that's what I do. I'm a mental health expert or anything, but you you do see it. It's people's outlet. It's a way of getting on with life when things are poo essentially. Yeah. In many ways, does that reflect back on your younger self when said at the beginning of this part of the chat that you left home when you were 15? Perhaps you were looking for a purpose. Three square a day. That was the military at the time. It was like the meals were paid for, the roof over your head's paid for, the kit and equipment's paid for. And don't get me wrong, I had some family around me that I very much adored, which aren't, sadly, none of them are here anymore, apart from my sisters. From five years old up to the point where I left, it was just not great. And so I ran away. And I always knew from the age of 12, when I started doing the army cadets, what I wanted to do was be a soldier. And that's what I tried to achieve. And I tried at 15 years old in the recruiting office in Hastings. I remember the recruiter looking at me like a bit confused. It's like, I want to join. So how old are you? I'm, I'm 15. It's like, we don't do junior entry anymore because they just stopped it. Um, <laughs> but he still had me doing pull-ups and press-ups and stuff in the, in the office anyway. So, and he told me, told me I was too skinny. So I went away and I carried on on the building site, plaster as labourer. Uh, old school as well, no machines, just this stick and a, and a bucket and a plaster and water, mixing it up. And uh, yeah, I carried on. And I think that determination set me up for the way I am now because if I get told I can't do something, I just go away and I make sure I can do it. And I gritted teeth and so I joined up and I wasn't the best soldier, I don't think. You know, it wasn't the worst either. I think I was just middle of the pack really. Quickly found myself in my regiment in Canterbury, 1 PWRR. Started prepping to go to Northern Ireland. I think my life leading up to joining the military has had a big impact on me. Even though it was negative at the time, it's had a positive impact on me now because it's made me quite a resilient person. But also there are chinks in the armour of that as well, you know, because now I've got kids, I don't necessarily know how to be a dad. I'm making it up as I go along because I have no example. That's the hard parts, you know, losing family members and stuff like that along the way and, and like, you know, and obviously doing your military things and that. It all tops up in the little jar of either self-confidence or guilt or whatever it may be. The military has a very good way of looking after itself internally. You know, like, talk to your brothers. The glass for me has always been very much topped up, but the military has kept me sane. And that's one of the reasons why I rejoined. And I've been selected to go to this out of two battalions of our regiment to go to the Argyles. And we were training the Iraqi army, very proud of the fact that actually my communications whilst I was out there saved the lives of what is now known as the Battle of Danny Boy, which is, there's been programs made about it and all sorts of stuff, but not that I want any glory from it, but it's just, for me, that's very like, rewarding in the fact that what I did actually come to fruition and those B Company Argyles OC was essentially saved by me relaying out comms when he couldn't get communication with people he was actually trying to get comms with. So yeah, that, that's very rewarding. But I come back, back at that tour and I left because I got a report that just wasn't reflective of what I'd done. And I felt a little bit shunned by it. So I left, um, joined reserves, become a recruit instructor, but felt a little bit like I had left everyone behind. I felt quite guilty. In my platoon, they were in Alamara. So if you look up Alamara, they had quite a bad time of it there to the point where they won a number of MCs and a, and a Victoria Cross there. And one of my best mates, Baz, was shot and my roommate died on the gate there. Not to say we didn't have a hard time, as well, but I was very lucky. I was like a good luck charm. That's the way I saw it. But I also felt like I hadn't contributed because I hadn't fired my rifle in anger out there. Every time I went out, it was all right. And every time I come in, the other multiple go out and get absolutely nailed. People getting shot and stuff like that. So 
I kind of already, when I signed off to leave, I already knew I was going to join a TA and probably go for another tour at some point. And the brilliant thing about that was, is I went out with my old battalion and my mate Baz, who had been shot, was out there with me. And a lot of my mates from Mortars, my Mortar platoon was out there with me. And that kind of settled me down. It's what I needed to readjust myself because I was almost unworkable for my wife. I didn't like crowded environments or loud noises when I come back, but that's just standard stuff. What I couldn't handle was seeing the repatriations. Yeah, that was horrible. And so then what would happen is like, I'd be doing the reserve stuff and the TA training and stuff like that, which is a, it's a different thing in itself, very pleasurable. And then volunteered to go to Afghanistan in 2009 and then signed back on from there. And that was obviously, everyone knows that Afghanistan and that period as well was very kinetic. Don't wish for something because it will come along. <laughs> you know, if, well, I didn't find my rifle in operations there. I definitely did there. I went back and got amongst my fellow soldiers and that, you know, the brothers in arms and that, and, and they kind of sorted me out. But I don't know whether it would raise its head later on. No, people, that, that sort of thing, the guilt or the things that you've done from then on being in the military. But it is a very much more known thing in the military now. Like it's not shunned upon to be not okay kind of thing. And by the time I leave the army and stuff, I, I, I just hope there's a better system out there for the veterans and stuff. When you talk about the things you've talked about, and I didn't expect to be having the conversation mm. we were having, and actually it's quite amazing to have that honesty. I just have this image of you, arms out, <laughs> skydiving, and the sense of joy and freedom that yeah. I'm sure that brings. So. I can get on a plane, I can go jump, and it's just this tranquil, like, you just, me, my student, or me and myself, you know, if it's just me jumping, or just doing what you do and love best, it really focuses the mind and gets you away from things for however long you're doing a jump for, whether it be a kind of formation from the top, or whether it be a free fall jump, or a hop and pop, a low jump, and that's fantastic. It is one of those things in life where people, most people just do it once, and I get to do it every day, and, and that's not lost on the privilege of what I've got. Being the team leader of the Tigers must be a real honour. Just indulge us a little bit with some descriptions of some of the, the most exciting, complicated, fun jumps or displays you've done. I'm guessing they're probably ones at air shows where we see you in your full glory. We've done everything from wingsuit displays to intentional canopy jettisons. So we get rid of our parachutes, go back into free fall, stuff like that. So like we've simulated emergency. We do canopy formations where we link the parachutes up in different styles and patterns. The most effective one of that is called the triber side where we do three canopies, one on top of the other, and we split them to, so they're side by side, and then we face them towards the ground at about 60 miles an hour. We're held together with straps. My position is the pilot in the middle, so don't do any steering, I just do the bossing. But your harness is getting pulled to the sides, it's kind of a weird sensation. And the guys train very, very hard to do that. And it's not just doing the trick, it's coordination. You, know, you have to be coordinated, you have to see what's going on, on the ground to know when to do the trick or it gets missed. The guys do trust me in terms of training them, pushing them in a safe manner. So like making sure that they're taking their, um, increasing their envelope of skills because there's only so much you can do on, on training. You train, 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 train all the way up to safe level. And then when you do a displays, you start doing displays, you bring it back down and then you train back up again. And it's confirmation of training it only happens when you're in a live display scenario. The sensation of being on a display 
like for a first time jumper is mental and then the guys are looking for me to put them in the right direction and make sure they're doing they're within their realms of capability and then you might have to change the jump because of the weather changes or whatever you know mother nature is a cruel beast sometimes you know and sometimes you have to leave someone on the plane this that happen quite more often than people think but the guys trust me to do that and that's fantastic it is really a privileged place to be any hairy moments in this incredible career of skydiving i've had a couple canopy formations so we practice these canopy formations and sometimes they go wrong we have like a, what we call a wrap um so the parachutes are no longer open anymore and they're closed around each other and we had one in germany i had a really strong team of guys and we we're conducting one of the first few training jumps of that year and uh, one of the guys in the middle of the stack so there's about five parachutes all on top of each other slipped out of the stack and it collapsed the parachute below him two guys above me basically come through my parachute and we was all banging around like conkers and stuff like that so that was quite hairy um but I still come down with a big smile on my face essentially because we train for this and that's ultimately a confirmation of training that's as far as you can take that confirmation so we talk about this on the ground all the time and what so what would you do what would you do go through the scenarios you know and this occasion we, we actually had the scenario and I couldn't the guys were just really good it's surrounded by 100 foot trees in, in the location we we're jumping in germany in bad lipspringer and one of the guys had the, the announced to hold the parachute behind him instead of just dropping it into the trees where it'd been really hard to recover flew it back to the drop zone just dropped it over the drop zone so uh, he he earned his team coin then when you watch you display it's like watching the watching the swan and when you come here you realize all the hard work and paddling that goes on you know bit below the surface is all this possible, Frank, because of support from your family? Because being here today, you can just see how full on your role is. I've been married over 20 years and there was occasions where I was just on my own, or on the road doing a job I love doing, but she was stuck at home with the kids, essentially being a single parent. And I don't think there's enough recognition across the military for that. We get a long service good conduct medal, but where's their recognition? Where's their piece of you know you've supported your spouse in this life which is sometimes it's quite hard especially when guys are on operational tours and you know and they're coming back and potentially their head's not in the right place or whatever and, and you've got to rejig your family back into a unit not just a single parent environment i've come back from either being away all summer doing parachuting or from operational tours and you, you're almost like a bear with a sore head a little bit because you with your military mind on it's like oh, do this do that and your wife's like well hang on a minute i'm in charge here so I don't think there's enough recognition and if I, you know, if there's anything from that whole of this, I wish that there was something my wife, you know, Charlotte, could get from it other than me just saying thank you all the time. That without her support, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I'm at now. I'd probably be in a mess in the corner somewhere. So It's been a massive privilege uh, doing my first skydive. I hope it won't be my last. And thank you very much, Frank, for, for just giving your time and giving me one of the most memorable days of my life oh thank you very much for coming along and uh, you know like if you can recommend it to anyone then, then please do so um uh, i'm sure that we'll give you the social media links it's just but if anyone wants to have a quick look at us on there just type in the tigers army parachute display team on any of the platforms and they'll come up but the last thing i must say that this is not achievable without the support of our regiment the princess of wales's royal regiment from the queen's division if you want to have a look at them i'm not saying join up Right, I'm just saying, just have a look at them because, you know, I'm quite proud of them. Do you want me on the team, Frank? Yeah, let's go. Get your uniform. <laughs>
<laughs> I also caught up with Officer Commanding Ollie Sword Gurney. Ollie, you're Officer Commanding. No pressure there then, as I did my first jump with the Tigers. How did I do? It looks very good from where I was on the ground. It is very graceful, so it is a very good landing. That was an amazing experience, and you're starting to collect your number of jumps now. Are you up to about 25? Yes, How's about it going 25, 26, I think. Yeah, it's going very well. You know, it's taken a long time to get to where I am at the moment with a mixture of COVID, the weather, the, the job, unfortunately, gets in the way of a lot of the jumping. So it's, it's brilliant, and uh, I just want to keep going. Where does the team fit in with the army? How important is that public role, if you like? I'd say it's, it's crucial. Like the, uh, using Bournemouth as a, you know, a, a sort of like a, an idea, you know, the whole concept of you know, an air show is you generally see Royal Air Force assets. So you see the Red Arrows, the Chinooks, the Typhoon, and yeah, they're fantastic. But we are the only army asset that you know, not only do we display there and actually are part of the show, but we also engage with the public a lot. We go and zip wire and smoke out the beach. We do parachute racing with children and you know, we, we do a lot of interaction. And at these venues, you know, we are the only army asset. So that's critical. I mean, Bournemouth at the moment, I think it's around sort of 9 million overall it sort of reaches out to. So, you know, they get to see us. And given the fact that you are really the only forward-facing army asset, what's the message that the team are getting across, particularly when they're talking to youngsters? What I see is quite important is that the team are, are there to show that the army isn't just a, a faceless green organisation. There's, uh, there's an opportunity to talk to serving soldiers. I mean, they do a very bizarre unique job and not everyone that joins the army will have the opportunity to do what we do we are very very blessed and very lucky but it doesn't mean those opportunities don't exist whether it is in the display team or whether it's working at the joint service veg training wings so the air air wing as it's now called in netheraven but it's there to engage with the with serving soldiers so the public can talk to them realize that they are human beings and yeah, there is a nine to five aspect role within the army as well. And it isn't just a way and exercise and way and operations all the time. And so you got that engagement and there is an element of recruitment there, but it's also showing that the army is a, a friendly organization and a friendly people and, and people make the army. How in the first place, Ollie, did you end up as a soldier and in the army? What appealed to you about being part of the army? I always wanted to, to join the army. It's been a, an interesting experience and that I've sort of been um, sort of exposed to while I was a lot younger. My grandfather picked me up once and, and took me to the Army Reserve Centre, the TA uh, in Canterbury, and then just dropped me off. I was like, here you go, join these guys. And it just happened to be the Princess of Wales's Royal Regiment, which was my local regiment. I didn't know the infantry, the engineers. I didn't know that there was lots of different parts of the army. I just knew I wanted to be a soldier and I happened to join the most soldiery part of it, which is the infantry. And then I sort of just sort of fell in love with all the opportunities that are there with soldiering on top of that, all the adventure training where it's, you know, I've, I've been the, the Alpine ski captain for my battalion and, and taking the team out to Val d'Azere and, and other places uh, and then subsequently become a ski instructor through that. Um, I absolutely love mountains. So I've got my mountain leader qualification out of it, rock climbing qualification. Uh, and all of that has been through the army and, and getting to meet loads of different parts. And because it's all 
try service as well, like certainly these disciplines. Um, it's getting to meet people from the RAF, getting people to meet from the Navy, Royal Marines, and sort of having these sort of networks of people that's just, you know, all like-minded individuals. So the plan, presumably, as you get more experienced with jumping, is that you'll be part of the display team, I'm guessing. I would like to be. It'd be a, a great plan to actually move across uh, and actually do a display before my, my tenure comes up. I mean, unfortunately, due to the, the nature of, of being an officer within the, certainly in the army, so we do have to move around. So I, I've only got this job for another year. If I'm lucky and they extend me for a year after that, then that'd be brilliant. And um, so it'd be really nice, but eventually I will have to hand the reins over to somebody else and then go back to my battalion. Uh, in, in whatever role that they, they feel I'm suitable for. Well, on a personal note, thank you. A chance cup of coffee in Bournemouth led to one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. So thank you very much. No, thank you. A massive thank you to Ollie for inviting me to Netherhaven today to do my most challenging and exciting convex conversation to date. And also to Frank for bravely strapping me to his chest. No mean feat. You've been listening to the team leader of the Tigers Freefall Army Parachute Display Team, Frank Millerick from the Princess of Wales Royal Regiment and Officer Commanding Ollie Sword Gurney. Download more episodes at convex.podbean.com or search The Convex Conversation on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts or just Ask Alexa. Next week, it's safe to say, I'll have my feet firmly planted on the ground with a little less adrenaline flowing, but I can guarantee you another great guest, so join me then. Bye for now.